0: What is going on, guys? I am Paul Ryan, your host of the Not-ATB Fantasy Show. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. With me, as always, is the best co-host in the world, uh, Sad Dolphins fan and creator of the Pigskin Papers website, Dave Pigskin Papers Hartman. Dave, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Paul. Um, I probably watched a little too much football this past weekend with with six games, only one of which was a, a good game, but that didn't stop me from watching most of the action. Um, but I've recovered from that and I'm, I'm looking forward to another jam-packed weekend of, uh, of NFL football. It's also, and we'll get into this, just been kind of a crazy week with all the, the big coaching news too. So it's been a lot to digest for football fans um, and uh, has kept my mind very busy thinking about the NFL. How about you? How's your uh, How are you doing after the Cowboys loss uh, and uh, what's going on?
0: Not much is going on. I'm doing about as good as you can be after after an embarrassing loss like that, Dave. I hear you. Well, Dave, where can we find you on X, sir?
1: Yes, um, I am at Pigskin Papers. Both of those P's are capitalized, and my website is thepigskinpapers.com. I haven't written anything since the end of the regular season. I'll probably um, – Write some stuff after the divisional round and then leading up to the Super Bowl. How about for you, Paul? Where can people find you on X, um, and how can they get out your content?
0: Yes, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on X at paul underscore ryan15. You can find all my content these days either on YouTube or on tw- or streaming on Twitter across the Cowboys. We will still we're going to be uh, after the playoffs transitioning into our offense or excuse me off season. Uh, content where that's more guest-focused, where we bring on fans to do mock drafts and to talk about the relationship with the Cowboys and all sorts of fun things. So I'm excited for that. Excellent. All right, Dave. Well, here we are after what turned out to be an unpredictable and wild Wild Card weekend. Tonight, Dave and I will be recapping the game from this past weekend and previewing the divisional round. Uh, Dave, this weekend was bittersweet for both of us as both their teams were eliminated in the first round. We'll start off with your Miami Dolphins. Uh, Dave, when you look at the Dolphins and after all the mounting injuries during the season, a collapse was bound to happen in Miami. Do you hold their playoff performance against the players and coaching staff?
1: Well, it's a good question. Um, first of all, I don't think it was bittersweet. I think it was just bitter for both of us, <laughs> with both of yeah. our teams uh, losing and losing convincingly. Um, and you know, it was kind of, we were talking about this a little bit before we came on the air, it was kind of a In a lot of ways, the Cowboys and Dolphins had similar seasons. They were both kind of early season juggernauts um, and, you know, scoring a ton of points, but they both kind of had that reputation of you can beat the bad teams. Can you beat, you know, the playoff teams, the good teams? They played each other, which was actually Miami's only win over a team with a winning record. You know, the Cowboys had that big win over the Eagles, but that doesn't look so good now, given how fully. Fell apart and you know finished their season, um, and then both teams flame out in the first round, uh, and and have questions about their coach, their quarterback, and everything else. And we'll, we'll get into all that. I mean, I think you know it was a disappointing finish for the Dolphins, not just losing that playoff game at Kansas City, but the fact that they you know had a three-game lead in their division, which they blew, um, which caused them to be playing you know in in 10 below temperatures instead of a home game in 70 degree 70 degree weather which they're more um i think built for um, in Miami um you know i think it was a whole team kind of i won't say collapse but um you know they had a million injuries on their defense and actually their defense played okay on on Saturday um <clears throat> but i think you know i would i would if i'm going to point fingers um I think the whole team kind of owns it. I don't. I don't think they came in with a very good game plan against the Chiefs, or maybe it was just there was no way they were winning that game on the road in in those weather conditions. Um, you know, two is now zero and five in NFL games or, or and college games. I think combined where the where the game time temperature was below forty five degrees. Um, but you know they. They lost a lot of a lot of key players um, on both sides of the ball down the stretch. But, you know, their last four games um, after they beat the Cowboys or their last three games, they played, you know, the probably the three best teams in the AFC in the Ravens, the Bills and the Chiefs. And they and they couldn't beat any of them. And even worse than that, I don't think they scored a point in the second half in any of those three games they might have kicked a field goal against the Ravens I can't remember um and that's just bad you know like they, they had this juggernaut offense all year and yeah they were without Waddle and Mostert for two of those games but they really couldn't get it done and you know we'll we'll get into this a, a little later but um you know I think they have a real question of, about what to do with Tua who has his option year next year um you know, led the NFL in passing yards, but as a Dolphin fan, I, you know, I felt good about him at times this year, but he really didn't come through in, in, in any big spot um, other than week one, um, you know, where he rallied them against what turned out to be a a pretty bad chargers defense. So, you know, they had a better season than last season, but, but the same result losing in round one. um, And I would just put it on really the whole, the team and the staff for, you know, for for not just the losing the Chiefs game, but kind of why they were even playing on the road when it looked like they had a stranglehold on their division a month ago. Um, so we can talk now uh, for a minute about your team and, and about an hour before we came on the air, news broke that Mike McCarthy will be back next year. Um, and, you know, I, I think Jerry Jones and the Cowboys organization took a lot of heat for how long they stuck with Jason Garrett, where um, yeah. they hired Mike McCarthy. I, I think his tenure was was close to like nine or 10 seasons. Um, he was there for a really long time with them never getting to a conference championship. So um, how do you feel, Paul, about McCarthy getting another year? Did you think, you know, given, given the collapse um, on Sunday that this should have been his last game as Cowboys coach?
0: You know, I don't know how much of the collapse I put on McCarthy. Of course, you put some of it on McCarthy. A lot of it was, uh, for me personally, you put it on Dan Quinn and and the defense and some on Dak and, and some, of course, on McCarthy, like I said. But um, after it happened, I was tec- texting with my uh, co-host. Uh, shout out to C.D. Piglet. Shout out to Brendan Smith. You can find them on X there. Um, that, you know, maybe, you know, what? what if we just run it back one more year with McCarthy? McCarthy and Dak, and maybe even Dan Quinn. Of course, I, you know, probably Dan Quinn's not going to come back, and I'm fine with that. But even just running it back one more year with with McCarthy and and Dak, and kind of prove its seasons. Because I mean, Dak's owed a lot of money, and you know, you mentioned too, not really showing up in big moments. I mean, there's been some big moments for Dak to show up, and he hasn't. And there's been some moments where big moments where he has he has shown up. So, um, you know, I I'm okay with it. I just I kind of want to know what's gonna happen with Dak. I mean, of course I'd like to keep Dak, but at the same time, I don't I don't hate the idea of a prove it year for him. And I hope yeah. he proves everybody wrong, but I don't I don't hate the idea of making them both prove it this year.
1: Yeah, I mean McCarthy has won twelve games, you know, and gotten to the, to the playoffs in three straight seasons. It's just the flameouts in the playoffs that have been, I would say, frustrating. For Cowboys fans, um, yeah, and, you know, there's such a microscope on the Cowboys, like more than any team. You know, oh, they're yeah. kind of like the Yankees of of the NFL in that they have the largest national following. They get a ton of primetime games. um Their owner is probably the most easily identified owner in the NFL. Probably gets shown in his luxury box more than any other owner when they're on TV. You know, they they have that, that old moniker America's team. It just seems like they're in a fishbowl and, you know, more than any other NFL team. And, and, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people were watching that game on Sunday and just celebrating Dallas falling on its face like that, because when you are that team, even though they haven't won a super bowl in a long time, when you are that team, that's kind of front and center and, you know, the most certainly the most valuable franchise not only in the NFL but probably in in at least the the four major sports there might be some european soccer teams that are that are worth more money if they were put on, on the market but um you know you're in that fishbowl and that's tough and i think a lot of people will second guess the decision to keep mccarthy but more than any other team like people are going to comment on what's going on with the Cowboys, because they're just,
0: like I said, they're just in that fishbowl. Yeah, and, you know, this Cowboys talk is going to really dominate a lot of the playoffs, at least this divisional round, too. You know that. Yeah. All right, so, uh, you know, Dave, people on on Twitter, aka X, think it's time to part ways with both Mike McDaniel and Tua. Where do you stand on that?
1: Well, I, I haven't seen that much on, on McDaniel. You know, he, he's been there two years and you know, they've made the playoffs both years um, with yeah. an improvement from nine wins to 11 wins. And they hadn't made the playoffs in a bunch of years before that. Although, you know, interestingly, I think they are now with Detroit winning. They now have the longest drought of any NFL team since their last playoff win. Um, Cause they've lost oh. like, their last bunch of play. I forget what year it was. Um, it might be like two thousand eight that they last won a playoff game. um but I think look, I mean McDaniel, again, it was a rough finish this year, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he certainly gets one more year at least um because the team has made the playoffs with him and and you know they have turned around what had been a pretty bad franchise for a bunch of years um as for TuA, you know, the Tua hate has been there since you know, he was the sort of presumptive number one overall pick. Then Joe Burrow had that crazy year and Tua had that bad injury. And, you know, Burrow was clearly the number one pick. But Miami took took Tua over Herbert immediately and then over Jordan Love and and Jalen Hurts, who went later, much later in that draft. Um, And, you know, this was sort of for the first half of the season, it looked like Tua had kind of finally maybe put it all together. you know, with the team leading the NFL in scoring. And for much of the season, he led the NFL in both yards and touchdown passes and yards per attempt. He did end up leading the league in yards and yards per attempt. And, you know, when everything is working right and they've surrounded him with a lot of talent and before they had all those offensive line injuries and before Tyreek got hurt and Waddle got hurt, you know, it was humming. And it, it was against a lot of bad defenses. But, you know, he's shown enough that there's something there. But like I said, in the when you asked me the first question, um, he has not come up big, at least this season, especially in big games. And, you know, Miami's in an interesting place with him because they exercised his option. So this is his fifth season coming up, but he's under contract for this season because they exercised the option. Um, their GM, uh, Greer, came out yesterday and said, you know, we're committed to, to a long-term, but I'm not sure that they're going to sign him to an extension this offseason. They might, you know, kind of give him one more year to prove it, and it would be kind of like Lamar Jackson, you know, playing he's playing on the option year without a, an extension. Now, that was because they wanted to sign Lamar, and Lamar didn't want to sign for what they were offering him. And, and you know, yeah. it, it took till after that year – I mean, they could they could not extend two of this offseason, let him play on the option. And if he has a great year or at least a good enough year, um, you know, then try to sign him to an extension. And if that doesn't work, they can always use the franchise tag for two seasons, up to two seasons. Um, but you also don't want to burn the bridge. Um, and you have to look at what's the other option. You know, like this team is kind of built to win now. Tyreek's going to be 30. Um, you know, they have other, a bunch of other veterans on both sides of the ball, like Jalen Ramsey and Teron Armstead, if he comes back and Connor Williams, assuming he comes back from his injury and other players. So like, what's the alternative? You know, it's not like they have another quarterback They They don't have a good draft position, so they're not going to get one who can start right away. They maybe get one that can compete with Tua. You know, there's free agents like Kirk Cousins out there, but, You know, I think it makes sense for them to give him another year and then, you know, just sort of play it out for a year and see if he improves and can win more big games and play better in big spots and especially on the road. So that's my answer with with regards to two. I would love to see him be the long term answer for them. But after four years, you know, he, he has not climbed into the upper echelon of quarterbacks. He's kind of in that second group you know, with, with Dak and, and some other quarterbacks. Um, and unfortunately not, you know, hasn't climbed into that top group. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about your quarterback now. Cause I just mentioned him and he's kind of in that, in that same tier, he's just older um, and he wasn't a first round draft pick. So he was um, you know, Dallas got, got lucky hitting it, hitting it as big as they did with, he was a fourth rounder, Dak. Yes, sir. fourth, round. The fourth so that, That's they did really well there. Um, you know, he, he's coming off the best season of his career, but he, he kind of failed when it mattered most. And his pick six probably ended any hope that Dallas had and of, of making that a game. Um, yeah. He has a cap hit of $59 million this year. So, how much longer? And you—you you kind of alluded to this in your—in when you spoke before. But how much longer should should Dallas commit to him and ride with him
0: as as their franchise QB? Do you think? I don't know. It's you know, like I was saying earlier that with McCarthy coming back. I mean, do you just if yeah. it fails again? If there's another first round playoff exit, or if there's uh, you know, let's if they make it to the NFC Championship game and they lose. I think you run it back, and I think that would be enough to say, okay, Dak, you know, Dak is taking yet another step after having a MVP season. And a game that you, know, you look at that Green Bay game, it almost feels like fluky. Like, I think if those teams were to play 10 more times, I think Green Bay maybe wins one, maybe two. Um, but I just, man, if you bring back McCarthy, I think having Dak on a it one-year deal, I'm okay with that. But realistically, I'd like to see Dak finish his career as a Cowboy, and I'd be comfortable, happy to ride with him for five years or so, five more years.
1: I hear you. Yeah, I mean, that game was, you know, when you're playing against the youngest team in the NFL that sort of has nothing to lose and is playing really loose, and there was a lot of pressure on the Cowboys, um, you could sort of see it early. You know, Dak was sailing some throws, and – the fact that Green Bay took the opening kickoff and just went down the field was obviously a, a bad omen for what was going to yeah. happen in that game. Um, and, you know, they ran right at them. And that's, I think, something Dallas – and I know they had some injuries at their at, at linebacker, but they're a small defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're kind of a small speed defense. And when they get behind in games and teams, you know, can kind of game script – run at them you know dallas had a lot of blowouts this year so they had a lot of games where you know they were up early especially at home big and teams had to throw and parsons and lawrence and you know the the pass rushers could just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback and the safeties and corners could just you know sit in zone and and you know intercept passes or break up passes um but when they fell behind in games and you saw it in the buffalo game and you saw it in this game and their defense is on their its heels, and it's a small defense. They kind of got pushed around pretty bad, I thought. Um, you know, by Aaron Jones and that and that running game. But anyway, like you said, I mean, it, anything can happen in one playoff game, and we'll we'll get into that when we preview the coming round. So let's let's shift now to recapping some of the other games from this weekend. And it wasn't all bad news in the state of Texas because <laughs> while Dallas was giving up forty eight points. Um, Across the state, the, 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 uh, I guess it was the day before. I'm losing track of which game was on which day. Yeah, it was the, it was the day before. Um, you know, the Texans and CJ Stroud went up against one of the best defenses in the NFL and, you know, put 45 on them. I know they had two pick sixes, so there wasn't quite 45 on offense, but, you know, Baltimore and San Francisco, clearly the, the, the two best teams, um, in the NFL or one would think so, but you know, are are the tech to the Texans belong where they are right now? Like, are they right at the top of that next group of teams with the way they've been playing down the stretch?
0: I mean, when you look at CJ Stroud prior to losing Tank Dell, and um, I think he's missing a couple of offensive linemen. I mean, he, he had the Texans looking like, you know, one of the better teams in the, in the NFL. And we, we saw what the Texans looked like without him. And then he comes back, he, gets them back into the playoffs after I I don't know, maybe three or four year hiatus. You know, of course, we know what happened with Deshaun Watson and everything, but I mean, I think they belong. I think CJ Stroud is that good. D'Amico Ryan's is that good is that we're seeing a, a very special talent in CJ Stroud. I mean, I think he, he's looking like he's going to be in that tier one with, with a uh, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. He, he looks like he, he belongs in that tier and D'Amico Ryan's looks like he might be the next, you know, really good young, young head coach in the league.
1: Yeah, I think all – I mean, I I think with, with all due respect to Puka Nakua, I, I think C.J. Stroud has had the best rookie season I've seen since, like, Randy Moss. Like, you know, mm. what he's doing – you know, Moss had, like, 17 touchdowns as a rookie, um, and he didn't even start every game. Um, but Stroud's just been unbelievable. Like, I mean, to do that in a playoff – in his first playoff game – um, after the regular season he had, it's, it's just really impressive. And if you're the Panthers, I don't know how you can even watch this without just throwing up every, <laughs> every time you see C.J. Stroud drop back to pass. I know, like, things could change. Maybe Bryce Young gets better and, you know, in a better situation. But, man, uh, that looks like one of the all-time, you know, like when Michael Jordan went third
0: in the draft, you know, just one of the all-time whiffs. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's hard to compare those situations because you look at Carolina and their head coach and everything that just wasn't a good fit. But where D'Amico, Ryan, and CJ Stroud and everything that seems to be a perfect fit. Uh, Let's talk about another really good team, or you know, a really good quarterback rather. That's Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City's offense, man, has been kind of inconsistent all season. Their their defense has really been the the uh, the strength of that team this season. You know, carrying them to the playoffs, but. You know, you look at Mahomes and Pacheco and Rice. They played really well in that playoff game, and leading them to victory. Is this offense starting to click? You think?
1: I'm going to say maybe. Um, you know, it's it was such a weird game because of the weather and because yeah. Miami's defense was so injured. I mean they they had two street free agents as their edge rushers, right? They had Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston. You know, instead of Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips and They were without Xavier Howard and they were without Javon Holland and they were without Jerome Baker. Like they were, I mean, Fangio, they did a good job um, because they kept holding Kansas city to field goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that's what I'd be a little concerned about if I'm looking at, at the chiefs and, you know, look, they can run the ball. um, And, you know, that was like the perfect weather for Pacheco. Like that guy just runs so angry. Um, mm-hmm. and Reginald. it was told, you know, no one likes the contact when it's like that, and, and he's a punishing runner. Rashi Rice is really coming along, um, and looks like he could be a number one receiver. Kelsey yeah. had a good game, too. I think Kelsey had like seven for seven, seven percent, and they didn't drop passes, which was weird because you know, no team has had more drops this year, and you would think in that weather, guys, you know, Mahomes throwing hard. Guys would be dropping passes. I don't think they dropped a pass, um, mm-hmm. so that was surprising. But I'd be a little concerned about how many times they stalled in the red zone um, and settled for field goals. Because against a team like the Bills, um, you know, who they've gone toe to toe with so many times in recent years, I mean, this is you know, this is the game of the weekend. I think, and we'll get we'll get into that. But um, I'm not so sure their offense is is fully back. You know, they haven't they still didn't look like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, that that Dolphins team is a team that could have, with all those injuries, you know, they they should have scored in the 30s, and maybe if it was warmer, they would have. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So I'm not, I'm not fully convinced. That's fair. Yeah. So let me um shift to uh the the team they played against your cowboys. You know, Jordan Love, who had really been playing well coming into this game, like his numbers were pretty crazy. Um, over the last three or four weeks of the season and then he had a perfect passer rating um, in this game and look some guys were like really open like that that touchdown to Craft. I don't think there was a cowboy within 25 yards of him but you mm-hmm. know Love, Love just played great Aaron Jones had three rushing touchdowns seven different players had a reception I think something like Four different, guys, five different guys had at least forty yards receiving for, for the Packers. They had all kinds of interesting stats like that. Um, was that a product of of good coaching or a great game plan, or were they just playing against a defense that just didn't show up?
0: I think you know I don't want to take anything away from from Love and and Jones and and their receivers. Romeo Dobbs had a good game. I, I think it really. Laf- just called a really good game against the defense that decided to have the its worst day on on a bad day, uh, have, have it have its have a have a bad day on the on the worst time, whatever this however the saying goes. Um, I think it's definitely a little bit of both, but honestly, man, I you know, just the way that they executed that game play, I mean, Lafleur is uh, he's really earned my respect a lot with this with this season because. I don't think a lot of people expected the Packers to do much of anything with Jordan Love and that kind of mismatch of young receivers who all have really good skill sets, but they're just inexperienced. And, you know, I don't know what their defensive numbers are off the top of my head or anything, but a defense that doesn't like, you know, probably middle of the pack or, you know, and in, in the 20s at least. But for them to come out and do that, that that says a lot about that team on the floor as a coach.
1: Yeah, I was listening to, to a podcast um, and they were talking about how Uh, there were like four different times in that game where coming out of a timeout um, the Packers either scored a touchdown or had like a massive play. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you, you see that and then you look at the coach and say, okay, he saw something. He called something in a timeout and it, and it worked every time. Um, So, yeah, I think LaFleur doesn't get enough credit. You know, they had those, I mean, they were they were like the Cowboys for a couple of years there. They were, you know, and it was worse because they were like the one seed and they were losing playoff games. Um, You know, those two years that Roger was the MVP. I mean, that's the irony in all this. Right. Is it Rogers leaves? They missed the playoffs. Rogers last year. He leaves. And, you know, once again, a guy who's been sitting for three years like they did with Rogers behind Brett Favre. um, Yeah you know, comes in and not only gets them to the playoffs, but wins at least one playoff game. So, um, you know, it was a win-win for for the Packers and and Jordan Lovin. He looks like, you know, he looks like the real deal. Now, again, there's always a tendency, and I, and I try to guard against this, and I'll talk about this more later when we start previewing next week, but there's a tendency to overreact to what you see in the first round of the playoffs. Um Right. you know a lot of things reverse in the second round and both jordan love and cj Stroud have huge tests this week right they're going up oh, yeah. against the on the road at the ravens at the 49ers so you know if they can come <laughs> yeah. close to duplicating what they each did this week you know i'll be amazing <laughs> well, <Praising>, yeah <laughs> you know, let's let's see it first because sometimes you just catch a defense that's just not having its day i mean the browns Defense had a bad day, um, and so did the Cowboys' defense. Now you got to credit the offense for that, but also, you know, that there's an
0: element of that that isn't repeatable, and and we'll see. Yeah. So uh, you know, sticking with kind of good stories here, Dave. I don't know how much of a surprise this was. I actually did expect the Rams to to beat Detroit, but you know, Detroit won a close game, an emotional game against the Rams. The main story kind of being discussed was the hit Kirby Joseph made on on Tyler Higby, and apparently that's his second hit of that kind this season. Uh, but, you know, ended up causing a torn ACL. Uh, with the rumors of there being about banning the horse collar tackle, is this another problem that needs fixing, you think?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Just on that game, um, you know, I thought the Rams kind of left that game on the table. You know, they, they, like the Chiefs, kept getting in the red zone and kept settling for field goals. And, you know, credit, credit the Detroit defense for kind of bending, not breaking, but, you know, three different times the Rams got down inside the 10 and, and and walked away with field goals in a game that they would go on to lose by one point. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I was nervous. Yeah. I was nervous that that game was going to come down to Brett Maher's foot. And after what we saw in the playoffs <laughs> last year, I was just envisioning, you know cuz they had the ball late and then they you know they got that holding penalty took them out of field goal range but it would have been you know the Rams special teams killed them all year and i was just the ending i was envisioning was you know they get down to about the 30 it's you know so it's a pretty long field goal like 47 48 yards and mar just you know hooks it 40 yards left but it didn't happen so credit you know credit the lions they played they played well enough to win the game by a point against a good team. I mean, it's a, it's it's a bummer that those two teams, I think, played each other in round one because I think the Rams, um, you know, probably a, a top three team in the NFC, three or four team, and be good if they were playing this weekend. And I think they deserved it. And that, you know, Puka Nakua's performance. We we shouldn't leave that right. game without discussing it. That was just amazing. And he was getting lit up. Um, and we'll talk about the hits from the Detroit secondary in a second, because that's the question you asked me. Um, but he just kept getting lit up, going over the middle, and it didn't slow him down at all. Like, he's a big dude, and he can take punishment. It, that was really impressive. Um, maybe as he turns into a veteran, he'll realize he can't keep taking hits like that. Um, but right now he's kind of young and dumb, and I don't mean that in a in a negative sense. Like, he's still, yeah. you know – You don't see that many receivers these days that are fearless to go over the middle, but so far he is. um, And he, he really had an amazing game. You know, the curve, you're you're right. That was, he's also the one who ended TJ Hawkinson's season with a similar Mm, hit to the knees. Um, You know, it's, and, and he also had a, had a, a kind of a vicious high hit on Justin Jefferson in that same game. I don't think he's necessarily a dirty player. I mean, that, that hit to right. the legs is unfortunately legal. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, every time I hear receivers interviewed about this stuff, they're like, we would much rather it be legal that they could headhunt and go and hit us high. Because, no, you know, NFL players, you, you hit them low, it can end their season. You know, you hit them high, you can yeah. cuss them or whatever. And I'm not making light of that, but I think – if it was up to the players, they would say, protect our legs, um, don't protect our heads. And I think the, the the challenge for the league is, if you tell defenders they can't go for the legs and they can't go for the head, there's not much target area there. And, you know, you, you make the game, yeah. It's it's bad enough when like quarterbacks are running like Josh Allen was and it looks like maybe he's going to slide and the defense stops. And, you know, like the defense there's so much they're not allowed to do right now. You know, I'm a little bit of a purist and old schooler, I guess, but I don't want to see guys get hurt. Um, But I think you just can't legislate like every tough hit out of the game or defenders will have nowhere left to go. I mean, what what do you think on this issue?
0: No, like you, I mean, it's already so geared toward offense and there's so many benefits for offensive players, especially quarterbacks that, you know, at some point something's got to give and, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, I think if it were me, I'd rather get hit below the waist. I don't want to get hit in the head. I mean, cause I know it's been a long time, but you just think about guys being paralyzed or concussed and then the damage that it does, even after their career is over, you know, the, the, uh, the damage that it does after, after not playing, you know, that, uh, that permanent damage, if you will. So yeah, um, yeah I, uh I don't know how, what you can do. I mean, I think you, you touched on it perfectly. Like, you can't really make any more rules to, to help the offense because the defense is already at a disadvantage so much.
1: Yeah, and they just won't know how to tackle. I mean, you can't exactly. eliminate
0: the whole body.
1: All right, so we've hit on all the games except for two. So we'll, we'll get to these last two um, fairly quickly. So that the Steelers, you know, snuck their way into the playoffs another winning season for Tomlin. That's all he's had as their coach. Um, 16 straight winning seasons on his resume. But, you know, they, they haven't had a deep playoff run in a long time. They're, they kind of seem to be a little bit like stuck in the mud as a franchise as like perennially like better than mediocre, but not even like very good. They're just kind of good. Like, is this holding them back in the long run? Where do you see this franchise headed? You
0: know, No, it's interesting because they they win so many games. You know, since Big Ben's retired, Pittsburgh has been looking for his replacement. But because of Tomlin, they either make it to the playoffs or win just enough games to put themselves out of reach to to draft a quarterback of note. I mean, Kenny Pickett, they were able to draft him in the first round, but there's already questions about him. Of course, they're going to ride with him next season. You know, in 2024, so they say, but. It's a it's a weird situation because you don't want to ever encourage your team to lose, but at the same time, we, we've seen when a team does kind of decide to to tank a season to give them chance to give themselves a chance to draft a what could be a franchise quarterback. I mean, you look at what the Texans were able to do, you look at what the Bengals were able to do. Of course, I think those franchises had a couple of bad seasons, but I think that's what what Pittsburgh needs to do. You know, they don't need to part ways with Tomlin, but I think they – I don't know how they can go about being bad while also letting Tomlin be the coach that he is.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, you look at the division they're in, and it's not – you know, it's probably top to bottom the strongest division in the NFL, and certainly going into next season, um, you know, if the Browns can stay healthier than they did this year – the Bengals get Joe Burrow back. The Ravens are who they are. And now they've got Lamar locked up long-term and he's, you know, the MVP this year um, and playing his best football or, or maybe 2019 was better, but you know, it's not an easy division to like win 10 games in. um, if You've got to play those other teams six times. So yeah, I think the Steelers are in kind of a, a bit of a tough spot and they don't have a quarterback, you know, um, so they're kind of I think sort of stuck in the mud a little bit but most fan bases would take it you know because they're in the playoffs and most years and they are competitive Um, but like you said it makes it hard for them to ever like really reset and like you know T.J. Watts 29 I think Minka Fitzpatrick's got to be around that age or maybe even 30 like their stars yeah. on their defense are getting older. Like, I'm not really sure what that team's window is um, to stay like this. But they draft so well and they have such a good system um, that, you know, it's like just perpetual goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, you can't really say that about other teams in the NFL. They're kind of unique in that regard.
0: Yeah, I do kind of wonder, just stick, sticking with the, with the Steelers here, you know, we've seen so many – what we thought were franchise quarterbacks either, you know, not get re-signed and signed with other teams or even get traded away. I wonder if they could be players and maybe like the Russell Wilson sweepstakes. I don't know how good he is these days, but, you know, I'd imagine he gives them a little bit more than a Kenny Pickett would, but, yeah. you know, I wonder what their move would be. They, they could always, you know, try to spend money in free agency as opposed to trying to, you know, be bad enough to draft a good one, you know?
1: Yeah. It's so not the Steelers way though. Like I can't think of, Anytime yeah. they've like brought in a free agent quarterback. Um, I mean they had been there for
0: so long. Yeah. They did go after the the uh franchise QB, Mr. Trubisky.
1: Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> top top two pick.
0: Yes, yeah, st- sticking with uh quarterbacks who have kind <laughs> of I don't know, you know, one style were maybe franchise quarterbacks, but have kind of moved around, it's Uh, Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield and a year after losing Tom Brady and being counted out by everyone in the football world, Tampa Bay won the NFC South and and beat a former Super Bowl team in the Eagles. Is Baker Mayfield resurrecting his career or is he benefiting from having to, to play, to play bad competition?
1: It's a good question. And and I'll answer it in a second. I just, I want to make sure we don't leave this game without talking about what a complete debacle the last eight weeks have been for the Eagles, you know, that they were, they were 10 and one, Hmm. um, but a lot of their metrics weren't that great when they were 10 and one, they were maybe a little bit of an illusory 10 and one. And then, you know, they lost five of their last six and, and against some bad teams, you know, they, they lost, they got killed by the giants, the last game of the season, which mattered a week after losing to the Cardinals. Um, and those were both home games. Oh, no, the Giant game was was in New York. But the, the Cardinal game was at home. Um, and they just didn't look like they wanted to be there the other night. Like, they couldn't tackle. They were they were in the game for a little bit. And then I think once that safety happened, um, it was kind of over. And, and they even – the tush push didn't even work. Like, when that happened, I was like, okay, Tampa Bay is winning this game because that play had not failed. I think it had failed once. All year, So just, you know, I don't know how much we need to talk about the Eagles, but that's another question. Like, is Sirianni coming back? I assume he is. But um, there's a lot of stories came out after that game about a lot of internal strife there and how maybe he lost the locker room. So that's another coaching situation to maybe keep an eye on, despite the success he's had the last two seasons. But getting, getting to your question on Baker, I mean, I think you know, they they put up a graphic during the game on Monday that he's had eight head coaches in six seasons. And, you know, yeah. he was drafted into a terrible situation in Cleveland with, you know, awful coaching and a bad roster and a team that had, you know, would get like the first pick every year or, or a top three pick every year because they were always like, you know, this is back when there were 16 games. They were like three and 13 every year. So he was drafted into a bad situation and, you know, he had all those like commercial opportunities and, you know, probably was, was made a star before he was one. Um, Heisman trophy winner, first pick, all of that. Um, You know, and then bad, and then another bad situation for him in Carolina, he had that like cup of coffee with the Rams. Um, You know, now he's in a stable environment and getting a chance to, you know, play in a, in a, place with good weapons, you know, great receivers, um, good coaching, a good offensive line. And I think he's showing that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Maybe not an upper echelon one necessarily, but, you know, maybe in that kind of middle range of QBs, like a uh, a Jared Goff, you know, who's who's played great the last two years. So maybe, maybe not quite in that range. But oh, yeah. um yeah, he's proving himself and he's gonna get paid, I think.
0: Yeah, it looks like that. Uh, what's funny, you mentioned the cup of coffee in in uh, Los Angeles. What really kind of turned this thing around for him is apparently when while he was there, Sean McVay was like, "Hey, man, we're not really going anywhere. Just you know, just be yourself. Just you know, kind of have fun and be yourself, and don't worry about don't worry about anything else. Just be yourself and just play ball." And I guess he took that mentality with him to Tampa. You know, he's on a one year deal and everything. That with really nothing to lose, and yeah. that's kind of. You know been what what's been the difference maker for him yeah okay, I mean, of course other than being the stable situation
1: yeah but it, you know they brought him in to compete with Kyle Trask right it wasn't yeah. like they were bringing him in and saying it's your job like because he's failed yeah. in a couple other spots they were like and he obviously you know outplayed Trask in the preseason and you know it's a bad division and so maybe he didn't play the toughest schedule but you know, they got they won their division and they won a playoff game and they're still alive. So credit, credit to Baker Mayfield. Um, before we leave the wild card um discussion and and preview the the four remaining uh four games for this week, just let's each just give a, a, a quick quick takeaway from wildcard round. I guess my biggest one is if you had told me maybe seven or eight weeks ago that after the wild card round, there would be no NFC East teams still playing. And two teams from the NFC North, I might have asked you what you were smoking, but that's where we are. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, in, in the AFC, my other takeaway would be like in the AFC, all the home teams won, all the wild cards got eliminated. The, the three division winners won, and now they get added to the Ravens. So you've got the four division winners, you know, kind of, what what appears to be the four best teams clearly in the AFC are still playing. Um, you know the NFC that the the Packers kind of crashed the party, and uh, you know my, I guess my biggest takeaway though is just how Stroud and Love played, and we've we've hit on that already, um, and just how crazy that is to see that in in each of their first years as a starter. Um, yeah. What are your biggest What are your biggest takeaways from Wild Card Weekend?
0: You know, just, you know, what stood out to me more so reminded me, of, even if you want to call it a refresher, it's just, you know, once the playoffs start, man, every, every team is 0-0 and, and the NFL is truly just a one-week season and any, anything can happen, man. I mean, we saw with the Cowboys, it's just, uh, I hate to be reminded in the way that I was reminded of that, but it really is, you know, the playoffs are such a different animal that you kind of see who's who's for real and who's not.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of crazy when you're, te- you're watching your team and you're just watching the clock and you're like, you know, this is it. The season's ticking down. If they can't do something on this possession, you know, it's probably over. And then they don't do anything and they punt and you're like, okay, well, if they can get a stop real quick and then you just see the, the sand slipping through the hourglass and you realize it's not going to yeah. happen. It's tough, you know, because these guys show up for work in July or whatever it is, and it's a long slog of a season, you know, seven, yeah. 18 weeks with the bye, and, you know, they only play once a week. So it's like a weekly drama of ups and downs and ups and downs, and then it all comes down to 60 minutes, like you said, and anything can happen. Um, Absolutely. Which is why I was thinking, like, if the whole Rams season came down to a Brett Maher field goal, that was just going to be <laughs> too much – for ram fans to watch
0: he can kick field goals he just can't kick those extra points yeah maybe
1: that's maybe that's maybe that's the secret
0: so uh you know moving on here we're gonna do our uh a, a divisional round preview here dave and we'll start off with baltimore baltimore has been off for a week and their starters have been off even longer after seeing how love and stroud performed in their first playoff starts could baltimore be the next team to be on the wrong side of an upset
1: well, as we discussed anything can happen in a playoff game and and the Texans and and Packers are dangerous because they're like both teams that no one thought would be where they are right now, so they're kind of playing with yeah to use a cliche kind of playing with house money and, you know, trying to get their their young team more meaningful reps that'll matter in future years when these teams might be more serious contenders, but they're here. So, you know, why not keep trying to win, which is what they're obviously going to do. I don't see this one. I don't see this upset happening. I think the Ravens have just been so good all year. The three games they did lose could have easily been wins. Um, you know, they've, they've played a few close games, but at home, they've really, they've really, you know, kind of demolished some good teams I mean, they killed Detroit, Seattle, Miami, um, in their in their building. These teams did meet in week one, which you can probably throw out. I mean, that was C.J. Stroud's first game in the NFL. Um, and, you know, Lamar didn't have a good game. Um, and Lamar has not always been good in the playoffs. He's, In fact, he mostly hasn't been the same player that he's been in the regular season. So I'd maybe be a tiny bit worried about that. But I just think the Ravens, on both sides of the ball, have just been clicking in a way that you know you you saw it in that San Francisco game and that Miami game, um, and the Detroit game. Like what they can do against good teams, and uh, I don't see it. Um, hmm. But you never know. What do you think?
0: Man, I, CJ Stroud is so special of that I think it's going to be closer than people want to might think that it's going to be. Uh, but Baltimore really is good. Their experience, man. Lamar's been there. Harbaugh's been there. That defense is. Is even probably better than the Browns. Maybe not by the you know maybe the numbers say otherwise, but I just uh, that the way that offense is clicking, it's going to be a tough test for Houston for sure. But CJ Stroud is that special that I would not be surprised if they did win that game.
1: Yeah, I mean the Browns defense has been a little bit home road all year. Um, yeah, you know really tough at home and and not as good on the road, and and I think you saw that in the wild card round. The Ravens defense has been pretty good wherever they've been. Um, and you know, that week, that week of rest matters. Um, you, so there were some hard hitting games this past weekend and you saw that, um, you know, like that lions Rams game was a really hard hitting game. Um, and so we'll see if that, you know, if it matters for the teams that didn't play last week, um, and, you know, had a week to rest up and, you know, everyone's, everyone's injured this time of year. Right. So getting, getting that bye week um, <clears throat> has proven to be pretty huge historically. And like I said earlier, um I really try not to overreact too much to what you see in the wild card round. And especially because there's two teams we didn't see at all. Right. So there's no reason to discount the Ravens because they didn't play last week. Right. Uh, or or the 49ers. So speaking of the 49ers, um Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan are going to be meeting in the playoffs for the third time in five years um and so do we do we have like a a rivalry brewing here
0: it looks like and i know two of those times of course were aaron Rodgers and uh the niners got the best of him both both times if i recall correctly the you know pretty good pretty good games too yeah um I, i remember the like the blizzard game where it was really low scoring and it ended up being a uh a turnover on a turnover like a blocked field goal or something yep. that ended up being the difference maker. But I think so, just because really you, you think about the LaFleur connection with Shanahan, you know, being part of that coaching tree and both of those teams being what with the history of the teams and you know the the Niners being the juggernaut here lately and even the 49ers even I mean not the 49ers, but the Packers even kind of being considered juggernauts too and LaFleur's time. I do think this is a bit of a rivalry that's starting to brew. What what do you think, Dave?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, it's funny because you think of the Packers without Rogers as a different team, you know, like exactly. those other years, Rogers was there and he was the story of that team. And it was almost like you didn't even think about the coach because they had right. a coach on the field. Um, but, you know, very impressive that LaFleur with a new quarterback has gotten where he is. Um, these teams obviously know each other well. Um And, you know, the Packers are the youngest team in the NFL, so uh, they, you know, they are, like I said, I mean, I used the cliche before, they're playing with house money. That makes them dangerous. Um, But, like, I think with both this game and the Ravens game, if they're not in it early, if the Packers and and the Texans are not in those games early, I don't think they'll be in those games. Um, so I think the first quarters of both games are going to be really important. Like if if the Packers get the ball first and you know that Niners defense is fired up and they go three and out, and then the Niners just march right down the field and and get a quick seven nothing lead like they've done so many times to so many teams this season. You know the, the Packers could easily, um, you know, you you could see a lopsided game here. I mean, remember. Two weeks ago, the Packers should have lost to the Panthers, right? Or three weeks ago, um, in in Week 17, and that was a you know two weeks after they lost to Tommy DeVito and the Giants. So let's not like put yeah. the Packers on this pedestal like they're this been this great team all year. Right, Love is right. playing great now, and you know they have four they have four receivers who are either rookies or second year players who all look really good and are kind of interchangeable and create a lot of matchup problems. You know, but their defense has not been good most of the season. Um and yeah. has been you know, pretty victimized through the air. And I could I could just see the 49ers, you know, dissecting them. Um with the weapons they have. Um but you never know. I mean, that's why they play the games and exactly. you know, it's right now it's 0-0, right? Right. So Anything can happen, um, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get into our game predictions in a minute, but, you know, it is good to see these, these two coaches, um, you know, go, going at each other, just like it was good to see Sean McVay and Dan Campbell, you know, these are like the the top coaches in the NFC, I would say um, those four probably. So um, yeah, I would agree. You know, I agree it's, with that. It's See, it's good to see the chess match
0: for sure. For sure. So, you know, another chess match, Um, you know, I don't know what what your thoughts are on Tampa Bay's head coach, but, you know, the Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield both being number one picks and have since then moved on from from the team that drafted them and have have had success in today's NFL. Is team situation more important than ever for quarterbacks, Dave?
1: Yeah, I think so. And it gets back to, you know, comments I made earlier about Baker and the situation he was drafted into, which was way less than ideal with, with a dysfunctional, and talent um baron brown's team and then um you know you look at bryce young this year which i mentioned earlier like he had no chance to succeed for all we know he he is an nfl quarterback um but you know there was bad coaching and they made a coaching change in the middle of the season his best receiver was adam Thielen, who's you know like a 33 year old cast off from the vikings um you know, and then some rookie and second-year receivers who kind of weren't really ready, Um, you know, okay running backs, nothing special, not a great offensive line. So, yeah, landing spot matters a lot. And in today's NFL, you know, these quarterbacks who get taken in the top five, uh, you know, barring a trade-up by a really good team are usually going to a team that just won like two, three, or four games. So what happened with C.J. Stroud this year is, is the outlier. You know, more often than not, it's, you know, the Zach Wilson first year, or the Bryce Young first year, or, you know, the Trevor Lawrence first year, the Peyton Manning first year, the, the Troy Aikman first year. You know, you you these even great quarterbacks, um, now the difference there is, A, those guys were more talented as, as, and they proved it. But those were teams that were building the right way and had that like one reset year, and then, you know, were able to build around that quarterback, that franchise guy. I think landing spot matters a lot. Um, I think we judge quarterbacks sometimes a little too harshly or a little too favorably without thinking enough about how much of a chance did they really have, or was it, you know, like Brock Purdy's in the perfect landing spot. If you yeah. put him on the Panthers this year, would he be a good player? Ooh, you know, if man, you put Bryce oh, Young, god. if you put Bryce Young, you know, drafted him into that 49ers system, would he be a good player? So Oh my god, yeah. You know, I think it matters a lot. You know, that's my my short answer. As for this game, um, you know, I feel I feel good for both of these quarterbacks because uh-huh. you know, they were both much maligned after their rookie seasons as, you know, And in both cases, it was like there were guys taken after them um, where people pointed at it and said, I mean, Carson Wentz went right after Jared Goff and he had an MVP or what would have been an MVP season um, where his team won the Super Bowl. So people were like, why did you take Goff over Wentz? And then in the case of Mayfield, you had Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson later in that first round. And so, you know. You could look at it and say, "Well, why did you take?" And those guys went to much better landing spots um, than than Mayfield did. So, yeah, I think it matters a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so speaking of Josh Allen, and and I alluded to this earlier. I mean, I think this is the game of the week, um, given the history between the Bills and the Chiefs, both regular season where they've played some great games and playoffs where they played, you know, maybe the best playoff game. Any of us have ever seen um, a couple yeah. years ago in the divisional round. Um, so they meet again in the playoffs. Um, Allen has yet to beat Mahomes in the playoffs, but interestingly enough, um, this is Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game. You know, not counting Super Bowls. <laughs> every every year the Chiefs have had, you know, the road has gone through them, and all his playoff games have been at home. So. The Bills are kind of banged up right now. The Chiefs have, you know, not been the Chiefs that we expected. Do the Bills have enough to beat them?
0: And I just the Bills have been so inconsistent. So have the so have the the uh the Chiefs as well, but the I feel like the Bills more so have been so inconsistent. You look at their defense, it's not not very strong. They've had, you know, some injuries there as well. I don't know I just don't know if this is their year. I mean, I like what their offense has become. Um, I just, I, I feel like they kind of limped into the playoffs a little bit. And Mahomes, you know, they, they, like I said, they've been inconsistent as well. But their defense has been strong all year. And I had a feeling I've talked about it on the Cowboys pod that you know Andy Reid and, and the Chiefs, you know, I felt like this offense would figure things out at the right time. The right time being at the playoffs and. I think we saw a glimpse of that. Of course, we saw you know them do that against the banged up Dolphins defense. But I just I don't trust the Bills. I, I don't. How about you, Dave?
1: Yeah, I I we'll, we'll get to this when we when we get to our picks. So maybe I'll I'll reserve my comments. Um, but yeah, I mean like going into the season, I think most people would have said, and and if you looked at the Super Bowl odds, you know it was like the the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals. They were the three. Teams, you know, and and if you look at the last couple seasons, that makes sense. Those were the teams that have had the most success in the AFC the last two years, at least. Um, and the Bills and the and the Chiefs have both been much more flawed teams this year than I think people expected. Um, whereas the Ravens have have been the the least flawed AFC team. Um, and if the Ravens can beat the Texans, you know, the, the winner of this game that will have to go to Baltimore, um, which I think is going to be a tall order for either of these teams, just given some of the problems they've they've each had this year. So this is the game I'm most looking forward to watching. And I think it's the last game of the weekend. Um, you know, I'm just hoping we get better games this weekend. You know, if you look at this wild card round and we, we talked about it a lot and there was a lot of interesting stuff that went on. And again, it was it was made even more interesting by all the big coaching news that was kind of happening around the weekend. Um, you know, sort of like the end of an era with guys like Belichick and Pete Carroll, and then Nick Saban at Alabama. Like, you know, these are these have been like pillars of football coaching for the last two decades. Um, but then the games were were disappointing. I mean, the only good game yeah. from a viewing standpoint. And the only close game was that Rams Lions game, which was a great game. Um, all the other games were, you know, at least one team kind of not in it or playing very sloppy or both. Um, and 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 you know, another team dominating, um, and very little drama, you know. So I, I'm just hoping I hope the games this weekend are more compelling. Um and that when we get on on the air, hopefully next week again, um, we have
0: better games to talk about. Yeah, you know, this game, of course, is, is probably going to be the game of the week. But I'm really interested to see Baker and Goff go head-to-head, only because, I, you know, I know both of them have been there at different times. But I don't know how, how much people really believed in the Lions this year. I mean, you know, they were a feel-good story about I- Know how good people really thought that they were. I don't think anybody thought they were going to be this good. And then nobody, nobody thought Tampa Bay was going to do anything. That game is intriguing just because it could either be a high, high scoring affair or it could be a blowout. One team just really kind of dismantling the other.
1: Yeah. And one of those teams is going to the NFC championship. So, you know, <laughs> know. Look, there were a lot of people like Detroit when they, when they won that last game last season against the Packers and it kind of ended like, I think they won like 6 of their last 7 last year and they yeah. were clearly a team on the on the rise. Um and a lot of people they were kind of a sexy preseason pick to win the the NFC North, which they did. Um but I don't think people saw them making the leap all the way to like going to the Super Bowl this year. And they're one right. home game away from playing to go to the Super Bowl. So it is surprising to me that one of these two teams will be in the in the NFC Conference Championship. But again, I would have expected the NFC Conference Championship like midway through the season. It really looked like it was San Francisco, Dallas and Philly on one level. And then the rest, you know, the other NFC teams with Detroit being the next best. Yeah, yeah. I a clear tier below. And so I would have thought the NFC conference championship was going to be, you know, some some matchup of Dallas, Philly, San Francisco. And obviously that's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm very interested to watch that uh, Tampa. And, it, and it's also a good clash of. Like, both of those teams are hard to run on, but not that hard to throw on. Um, right. Right. And so, and, and both teams have good receiving weapons. So, mm-hmm. I think that game could be a little more like shootout y than, than maybe people are thinking. I mean, it was it, you know, the, that Rams Lions game. If you bet the over in that game, you were feeling great at halftime. I think there were 38 points in the first half and the over under. Maybe there were 31 points or something like that. It was a fairly high-scoring first half, and then all that happened in the second half was—that's th- what it was. There were 38 in the first half; the over/under was around 50, and then there were only three field goals in the second half. The defense started playing better and tightened up, but I could see yeah, you know—I could—I could see this being a, a little bit of a sneaky shootout, um, and with both quarterbacks kind of slinging it,
0: which—which which would be fun to see. How crazy would a Green Bay-Detroit Lions-NFC championship game be?
1: Yeah, and and that's the only chance we've got for for two teams from the same division, right? Because the AFC, you've got the four division winners, and the NFC, you've just got two teams from one division. So, yeah, that
0: would be crazy. Um,
1: We'll see if it happens.
0: All right, Dave, let's uh, let's, uh, pick our winners and losers here in these games. Baltimore versus Houston, who wins this one?
1: I think Baltimore wins this by at least a touchdown. Um, again, I think if it's not close early, it'll it it it'll get less and less close. You know, Baltimore's had a lot of games this year where they just, you know, they, they get a lead and then the other team starts turning the ball over and it gets ugly. Yeah. I don't know that that'll happen, but I think Baltimore wins this one without breaking too much of
0: a sweat. What do you think? I uh, Man, CJ Stroud is so good. I hate to vote against him, but... As much as I like him and I like what Houston's doing, I like the story. This is probably going to be Baltimore, you know, by, like a, by a touchdown, like you said. I, I think Baltimore's too experienced, too good.
1: All right. San Francisco versus
0: Green Bay. Who wins? I don't know. There's no rhyme or reason for this pick, but I just, I can see San Francisco being upset only because that's just, you know, kind of how. These rivalries go where, you know, the team is one team is a juggernaut, one team sneaks in. It's like we've seen the Giants do it. I just, I I like LaFleur and I I like that offense. And I don't know why. I just, I I think San Francisco being off might, might, you know, they might be rusty and they might have, might do more harm than good. What about you, Dave?
1: You know, as, as good as the Packers looked last week, they're the youngest team in the NFL. And I think, I think that's going to show this week. And I think, you know, Jordan Love has been playing great lately. He had a rough stretch earlier in the season. Um, He does have a lot of weapons um, and everyone's kind of healthy now, finally. And Aaron Jones, like three straight hundred yard games. I mean, I could see, I could see the case for them, you know, kind of going back and forth with the Niners, but that Niners defense, um, you know, I think is going to show up. And uh, I think this one gets away from the Packers and the Niners win by, by at least two scores. So um, I'll take them to win pretty comfortably.
0: All right. Probably the right choice there.
1: Well, that's why they play
0: the games. Exactly. Detroit versus Tampa Bay. Who you got?
1: So I'm having trouble picking the next two. Um, You know, this one I'll, I'll I'll stick with the lions, but I think this is going to be a close game. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, as much as the, the Bucks, you know, kind of they don't have a lot of great wins this year, um, but they have some good ones. And, you know, they they, I know the Eagles were not the Eagles, but they really put it on them last week and their defense played especially well. Like Philly's defense is terrible. I'm not surprised that Tampa was able um, to score. I do think they'll struggle to run the ball. Um against the Lions. But I think they'll have success throwing on them. And uh, I I think this is gonna be a very close game, maybe come down to the last possession. Um, But I I think the home field, I think it's gonna be noisy as hell in that dome. You know, these are fans that have waited like three decades for home playoff games. And I think that'll be the difference. I just think Detroit playing at home, having the crowd behind them um, puts them over the top in a close game. What do you
0: think? Yeah, this is an interesting one too, but I just, uh, you know, I I try not to, not to think about the NFL being scripted and whatnot. But I just have a feeling that the NFL wants Detroit to win this game, (laughs) so I'm going with Detroit.
1: Okay, let's hope there's no uh, shenanigans or or fix in. And so the last game of the weekend, last game of the weekend, Buffalo versus Kansas City. Who wins?
0: I'm not going to go against Patrick Mahomes in this one man he's he's got too much experience too many big wins even on the even in his first road playoff game which is insane I I still got to go with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid
1: yeah I want to take the bills in this game but I've just seen too many sloppy games from them this season um too many turnovers uh you know beating the Steelers last week That's, that's not that impressive to me and they didn't really I mean they beat them fairly handily but um I don't know. They, they're not getting the ball to Stefan Diggs, and the chiefs have a good defense. So, you know, the, the first time they played this year, you know, if, if Kadarius, Tony hadn't lined up off sides, they probably end up winning that game. Um, these are very evenly matched teams. And like you, I'll go with the Mahomes Reed combo. Um, but this game could obviously go either way. And, You know, if you're the Bills, it's kind of now or never in some ways. I mean, I know Josh Allen's a young player, but, um, you know, I feel like they've had a window the last couple years and they haven't been able to get over the hump. They haven't even gotten to an AFC title game. Um, And so I think this is a a really important game for that franchise, but I don't think the Chiefs are going down that easy. Um, So I'll stick with the Chiefs. All
0: right, Dave, give us your uh, bold call playoff edition, sir.
1: Well, I forgot to prepare one. So my bold call is going to be that part that pe- that Josh Allen's going to turn over the ball at least three times, and that's going to be the difference in that game. What is your Ooh, bold call? Wow. My I don't know call. how bold that is either because he turns the ball over a lot, but I think that's going to be the difference in the game.
0: I think he's had 15 interceptions this year, I believe. Uh, Dave, my bold call. Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers will be the first – seventh seed to go to a conference title game
1: i like it i like it we'll see if it happens but um, yes sir yes sir but I do
0: like all right david Man, i enjoyed the discussion it's been a been a couple of weeks it was nice to get back to it
1: a hundred percent thanks for uh thanks for the great discussion and i hope uh i hope folks listening enjoyed the show tonight paul remind everyone where they can find you on
0: x and uh, your content too Yes, you can find me on not Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. And my content will be streaming every Monday on YouTube and on Twitter. It's going to be Cowboys focused. Uh, you know, of course, the Cowboys season being over. So we'll, we'll be talking about the playoffs and any and all relevant Cowboys news. But we will be keeping up to date what's going on in the NFL. And of course, anything Cowboys related. Dave, what about you? Where can we find you on not Twitter? And what can, what content can we expect from you?
1: Yep, you can find me on not Twitter, at Pigskin Papers. (laughs) Um, I've taken a little writing hiatus since uh, the end of the regular season because two fantasy columns per week was kind of burning me out. Um, Not entirely sure how much off-season content I'll I'll have. I usually do playoff previews. I haven't done them for the first two weeks, but I'll probably do them for the conference championships and the Super Bowl, and then I'll have some content around the, uh, the NFL draft as well. Um, so keep an eye out for for posts from me that uh that uh have my content in them.
0: Yes, sir. I was always been I love your articles, they're always great. So be sure to
1: thank you. I look out for those that. guys.
0: Uh, guys, we appreciate you joining us and we will see y'all next week.